Greetings, nerds. This is Cena Nerd. I'm your host, Sarah Belmont. And with me, as always, is our Mr. Producer, Will Paul. How are you doing tonight, Will? Doing very well, Sarah. How are you doing this Thursday evening? I'm doing great. It's Thursday evening. So exactly. Yeah. Closer to Saturday. Yes, yes. One more day closer to the weekend. And it's, yeah, it's uh, been, a, been a fast week, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Knock on wood. Tomorrow better not drag on. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, of course, I just jinxed it now. So, tomorrow will be the longest day ever. <laughs> no. I got too many meetings tomorrow, too, for it to be yeah. a long day. <laughs> oh, man. Um, it's, it's, it's interesting because today we don't have a lot of news items to discuss, but we do have three shows. That's right. Three shows to talk about as um, schedules are adjusted and new shows are discovered. So we will get into that. But first, uh, according to headlines this week, Oscars plan to move ahead and change the eligibility rules for streaming movies and combine some categories. Yeah. Yeah. So, Obviously, things have been turned upside down because of COVID, and the they did a one-time dispensation to allow for films that were originally going to be scheduled for theatrical release, but but instead went to a streaming service, uh, will be eligible for uh, for for the Oscars this year. So, I mean, I guess one recent example of that is uh, the Trolls movie. Uh, where uh, it was intended to be put in the theater, and but of course, I think it went straight to was it Hulu or Amazon Prime? I can't remember which one. Oh, I have no idea. I don't follow trolls. Yeah, I don't. I mean, it was just something <laughs> when I when I read the article about this change, it was the movie that they referenced because it could qualify for like the animated category. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I'm just trying to wrap my mind around how this is an eligibility change but i guess even movies that were went straight to netflix there were still some theatrical releases so yeah yeah because that's the normal rule so normal rule is you have to have a at least i think a one week theatrical run and so that's how like for example the the um uh irishman and uh roma were able to, even though they were released on those streaming platforms, they did have a limited uh, theatrical release. So that's why they were eligible for the Oscar. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, you know, I, it'll be interesting. I, we, we're in still this weird state of limbo as things continue to change and get moved around and a lot of uncertainty about. Um, when things will quote unquote go back to normal or start transitioning to the new normal. So, yeah, yeah I think the new normal. I mean, I know because even though some states like Georgia are open up movie theaters, I know some of the major chains are like, until there are new films to be released, they're, they're just not going to reopen their theaters. So, and even when they do reopen, I, you know, obviously, I probably be a lot of they'll be socially distant because even before, when they were starting to do the rent scale down to close they were already putting those rules into place. So the movie going experience will definitely be different moving forward. Speaking of socially distant in a very rare interview, Grant Gustin sat down social distancing appropriately and spoke with Michael Rosenbaum on his podcast inside of you. I've actually listened to uh, a different interview with Grant Gustin. I think with, 
Aisha Tyler. Mm-hmm. Um, she had a podcast a few years ago and and brought him on, Stephen Amell and Emily Beck Ricards on. Yeah. So a lot of what he said during his podcast with or his interview with Michael, not surprised. I think that it is so interesting the differences between him and Stephen Amell and how yeah. they parallel the differences between um, their two characters. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was a real thing that, that stood out to me as well, is that, uh, uh, you know, clearly you, they're uh, totally two different personalities. You know, Stephen's definitely more gregarious on social media, Grant's more reserved, and, and it, it was interesting to see grant talk about his things issues with anxiety and you know and of course steven with his famous panic attack on michael's uh show uh, late last year and then coming back earlier to to finish it uh but yeah it, it just just like we like we see with the characters they play on tv it's the same with how their their, their real life personalities are yeah, I I guess I took more aware f- away from Stephen Amell though because his yeah. the fact that he had a panic attack during yeah. it, and also this was his second time, and mm. so you could go back and listen to his first interview and and just see the contrast between two different points in his life and and the fact that Arrow had just ended, so there was a lot more emotions which made that. Um, be such an authentic, vulnerable moment. Where with Grant, I'm not trying to take away anything he talked about. However, I felt as if he is so shy and he has yeah. every right to be that way and, and reserved and his personal life is his personal life. But it never delved into that next level of, wow, I could re-listen to this five times and and find something new. It felt very standard and on par with a regular interview. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, and, and we've talked about Michael's interview style and, and, and how it's almost like a therapy session for himself as much as, much as for his guests. And he uses that as a, a, a way to get people open. I mean, Grant, he, Grant did open up a little bit more than I've seen him in the standard EW type interview settings where he did talk about some of his insecurities and anxieties, but definitely not to the level of more just acknowledging that he, you know, he's, he's dealt with it, but, but again, just by his very nature, being a very reserved shy person, uh, you know, he was, it, it was very, um, yeah, he was very reserved, because even like when I think about Brandon Ralph's interview uh, on Inside of You, of course, Brent is kind of started out with that kind of high level, you know, standard interview. But then when he really got into it, discussing about how he ended up being uh, written out of Legends of Tomorrow, it did get more, more, more depth. Uh, but one part of the interview I did find fascinating was Grant's discussion about his, the, the longevity of the show and being locked into the seven year contract. And that, uh, if, if he had had a shorter term contract after say season two or, or, or two in particular, he, you know, he, he did say it could have been possible that he would have left because he was just so emotionally drained by, by the whole experience from 
the first two years of the show. Yeah. Um, I, I think this is one of the issues where we're going to just disagree because again, in re-listening to Stephen Amell's interviews, both of them, they go through that. They go through that. I've listened to the interview between Michael and Tom Welling and they talk about too. That is Michael Rosenbaum um, shtick. He always brings that up. He brings that up for anybody, especially if they are from a superhero TV, TV show. He will bring that in because he lived it and that's his experience and that's how he's able to relate to his guests. I get it. So so to me, it felt just, again, on par. I've heard it before. I'm not trying to take away from that anything. Am Am I unhappy that I wasted an hour and listened to it? No, 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 no. I still, I mean, Grant Gustin is a very recluse mm-hmm. celebrity who who doesn't, and he, and he talks about that for a little bit, doesn't really get into the exact reasons why, but yeah. he, he, you take what you can get from him. Stephen yeah. Amell, Stephen Amell has no fear and also puts everything almost to a detriment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, that's true. so yeah. it's just very, very different. So it, but yeah, it if was. anybody is interested, we do again encourage you to to listen to those those podcasts. Speaking of podcasts, something else that dropped this week was Ben Bateman from Schmodown phase or fame um, started a new channel called Nerds in Suits. And huh. a lot of his episodes are about conversations and interviewing a lot of his um, colleagues and friends in that YouTube space. Um, huh. He sat down with Christian Harloff. Um, I listened to that episode. I'm going to listen to his interview with Dan Merle. Yeah, uh, I think fun. that's a good one to check out if you okay. are into Schmodown. Uh, again, Christian Harloff, I have listened to since 2014. So I know all of his stories. Nothing learned new from that interview. But Ben Bateman is a pretty good interviewer, I have to say. Huh. Yeah, I speaking of people who from the Schmodown and that in the, that universe of uh, YouTube select uh, personalities. Uh, Dan Merle is another person who uh, he's left Screen Junkies yeah. and has dropped his own um, new YouTube channel. And so I have I've watched his horse's explanation as far as why he left Screen Junkies. And I know he's been on with John Roca and, and explored a little bit more about that with him. Uh, and then also, he's a big Star Trek fan, so of course, whenever he dropped his Picard recap, I, I definitely did watch it, and it was it was a I agree with a lot of points, discreet with some, but it was just you know it, it's just interesting seeing the transition with a lot of these personalities in this in the YouTube space as far as geek geekdom and entertainment media, and a lot of folks you know, spinning off on their own either due to such you know changes like what happened with Collider or uh, or in Dan's case where I think he just wanted to have some more creative freedom. Yeah, I I agree. I, I It's funny because I still I, I was able to get through this Monday's episode of SCN live but it, it was hosted by John Roca. <laughs> I couldn't make it. I tried. I like, I like Roca but... Christian Harloff is not good. 
He is yeah. not in the right mind. I cannot watch that show anymore. I am, um, even though I I'm not like a hundred percent loving Schmodown and it's having its own scheduling issues because of COVID. I still think that Backstage is a great podcast to listen to. I the two hours long, two hours plus. They get a lot of good guests these days, and a lot of very interesting um, perspectives on not only Schmodown but just the YouTube space and movies in general. Uh, and so I I, I tend to um, very much uh, listen to that and look forward to every new episode that they drop. Cool. I'll have to. I didn't. I didn't realize Ben had done that. So thanks for the. Thanks for the tip. I will. I will definitely. That, that will be on my listening rotation tomorrow. Because, uh, yeah, I, I definitely need to uh, spice ch- change up some of the rotation. Some yeah. Are getting, a little, getting a little bit stale. So yeah, so I'm, I'm glad you dropped that one. Speaking of changing up the rotation, my segues are on point tonight, people. Yes, yes they are. <laughs> <laughs> that woman is back. I forgot. I, I, I did not realize, Will, how yeah. much I love this show. Yeah, yeah. Because did I miss it? Not really. Am I glad that it's back? Yes. Yes, This yeah. show, I really, I just... They, I don't know who, how this was all decided, but it is very fortunate where the episode that they last aired in March ended the way it did with Alice being locked up in Arkham after a betrayal from Kate and able to start it with this episode, which the first 20 minutes are all exposition and reminding you about all the very different plot threads they have going yeah. on this season yeah um, i love that something that also stood out or didn't stood out to me but i found myself okay i real watching this episode at the end when the credits start rolling mm-hmm. um carolyn dries dryers she is from uh the vampire diaries fame yeah. She yep. executive producer, written and everything. She's also a lesbian. And and I I didn't know that until I did some I fell down a Twitter rabbit hole and when I realized that I just said I'm not saying that you have to have that kind of parallel or have to be have a certain sexuality, have a certain look about you in order to be able to tell a story. Um, But the moment I found that out, I was, I just thought to myself and I said, yeah, this, this show and the way it's written and the way that they use Kate's sexuality, um, it, it makes so much more sense. And that's how I think they're able to find that sense of authenticity with these characters. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it definitely, you're right. I completely agree with you that that shows up. She sets the tone and it, and it carries through in the writer's room and, 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 and all, and through to the screen because of Ruby and also just, you know, Ruby's own sexuality, uh, yeah. sexual orientation. So, um, so yeah, I I completely agree with you. And, and sometimes you know you do, you know you do need to have those, that that perspective sometimes to be able to to tell a story, right? Uh, 
not saying that you have to, but if you live something, you can definitely come at it from a different place than than, than just observing something. Right. And it, thank you. It's just, we're not saying it's required. We're just saying that more often than not, it elevates the material. Yeah. When you're I mean, able to get people behind the camera who have actually right. had those experiences. They're not, they're not that woman. They're not jumping from tower to tower or anything. And there's no yeah. spotlight, but the yeah. pathos of that character dealing with that, that, um, identity issue just allows them to better be able to portray that because they've they've experienced that for themselves yeah yeah and 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 i know just i know we'll talk about the flash in a bit and we've seen that similar vein with candace Patton uh mm-hmm. since since eric wallace has taken over as showrunner for 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 the flash and, and some of the ways that she's portrayed as an african-american woman yeah uh, Yep, absolutely. Um, another interesting TVD connection is Paul Wesley directed this episode. Yeah, yeah, I saw that, that he was the director. And, I, I, you know, I, I really liked the direction of this episode. It, it was it was very smartly shot uh, yeah. from the action sequences to just the, the, the emotional beats. It, I, yeah, it, it, like you said, Coming back, it realized it made me realize that okay, this is one of the better superhero shows on TV right now. Mhm. Mhm. Yep. I I agree with that. I I really I was pretty much engaged the full time. I did skip a little bit of Mouse and Alice just because I you knew where that was going. I I was yeah. like oh, yeah. whatever. Two minutes here, two minutes there. But yeah. Yeah. everything they were they were doing with Kate and the PTSD and mm-hmm. the um the fear the yeah. fear of crossing a line and man did they drop the biggest Batman what the fuck <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah I just I didn't I didn't see that coming and so. Will, correct me yeah. if I'm wrong. Yeah. Bruce Wayne has been missing for five years. That's correct. Okay. And we find out in this episode that the Joker has been, quote unquote, locked up in Arkham for five years. So we thought. So, so was everyone's thought. And yeah. our, a character who had a lot to do with this in the episode and really elevated his game, Luke informs Kate at the very end that she was not the first to betray the Batman code. Right. Five years ago. I.E. Bruce, Bruce left because he also was experiencing his own PTSD from that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was, that drop, that bombshell. We, you know, we were wondering if they would get, ever get around to explaining why Bruce left Gotham. And, even though it, even though it wasn't directly said, I mean, it was so well, it was so implied that yes, you know, Bruce did kill the Joker, and and so that was definitely a bombshell that you know I definitely did not see coming. The other thing, as far as to get back to the as far as Kate's PTSD, I'm hoping that I hope it's not a one-off. Mm-hmm. Because you know, so so often, 
utilizing the PTSD as just a this a storytelling trope, and we'll do it for this one episode, and then the hero the hero will overcome it because you know Luke's sharing with her that you know you weren't the first you weren't the first bat to to kill someone, um, and then and then she's you know all of a sudden like oh snaps out of it and moves on and doesn't have to deal with uh, consequences of what happened with Cartwright. Right. I, I'm I'm hoping that they will, and I know we only have one episode left this season because of the cut, the shortened production schedule. But uh, I I do hope that they do carry that forward some next weekend and subsequent episodes where she still has those 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 panic attack moments of of of, in, of dealing with the consequences of her actions and. And so that uh, it, it will, you know, continue to you know, help drive her growth as 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 a superhero. I I I don't. I have a feeling it's going to be a one-off. However, I will say that through in this episode, I got some significant Dark Knight vibes. Oh gosh, yeah. Because it was all about heroes and villains and Mm -hmm. that very gray gray line that separates the two so much so that the main antagonist in the episode was the detonator who Mm -hmm. who plots his victims who who goes after quote-unquote heroes of public service and and does the does the ship (laughs) yeah it was yeah it was totally the ship moment from bat the dark knight yeah i mean every yeah, I mean, it was just like, okay, let's just, let's just, you know, so since, you know, a dark night, you know, Kate's off, and and then we have all these, you know, she's inspired these pretender bats. Yeah, <laughs> thank you, thank you, that too. It, it was just so classic dark yeah. night, I yeah. could not get over it. All that was missing was a clown running around, oh wait, he's dead. He's so dead. He's dead. <laughs> but... But th- that being said, um, and we've mentioned this in past discussions about Batwoman, they are able to draw those, make it so familiar and and very reminiscent of other iterations of this lore, mm-hmm. but not to an extent where I'm, I'm, I'm checked out. I've seen this right. before. I know how the story ends. No, this is another version. It's a retelling that... Yes, it's hitting similar beats, but it's also talking about it in very different ways. It's also dealing with other characters. So, so, and and I mean, for for me personally, Dark Knight is one of my favorite movies of all time. So, so I didn't mind it. It was just very interesting how they. I wasn't expecting it, so mm-hmm. I just I I loved all of that. I will say that one of my issues with this episode is how it kind of felt as if it spent the first 20 minutes reminding us about all the different plot threads that were going on, whether it had to do with Kate, whether it had to do with with the Lucius Fox murder from, from the perspective of his son versus the perspective of Sophie trying to figure out who killed Lucius Fox. And then you have Julia Pennyworth involved. Um, and all these different characters. And yet the detonator was not only able to be the 
the episode of the week villain, but also the answer to pretty much all of these different mysteries. <laughs> yeah, he was. I mean, he, yeah, it, um, he was the answer to a lot of the questions to, as far as what, what is driving, uh, a lot of the story for this season. And I mean, it was good. I mean, but they still left it. They, le- they still left some things on the table. They still didn't really get into you know what was so specific in, in Fox's journals that mm-hmm. Tommy Elliott hired uh, Robles to. Uh, I thought it was the the tech. Well, there was a tech, but what what was he going to do with the tech? And so they still left some some areas to 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 explore there. Yeah. Uh, um. And, and, it, and we also learned a little bit more why Jacob Kane founded the Crows um, as far as the, the, you know, the feeling the need to protect the city. And, and of course, what I really liked is how they, they brought forward Tommy Elliott from earlier in the season and, mm-hmm. and, and really tying it back to, you know, the whole Batman lore is all just, just like many superheroes origin stories is wrapped up in trauma and using Bruce Wayne's childhood friend to be and, and Bruce, to, to be the force behind one of Bruce's deepest confidants and Lucius, uh, you know, also, you know, it, it wouldn't surprise me if that has some connection to, to him killing the Joker five years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, so it, it opens up so many various avenues of storytelling for them for subsequent seasons uh, that uh, that you know this this you know one of the one of the problems with shows a lot of times is they don't carry they just you know plot along and don't carry the plot forward well this episode carried things forward in so many so many ways I you know I hate that the season's going to get cut short because there's just so many things that uh, they could explore uh, right. In, right. In, in this series and I also wanted to go back to one of your points you were making about the Dark Knight and and the Batman lore and and, and I think this show you know whenever we first started talking about it at the beginning of this season was how were you know how they treated Batman and mm-hmm. how, and and I think they have found peace as far as thematically how they treat the character because mm-hmm. you know it seemed at the beginning of the show they were just overcompensating about Kate being better than Batman Kate you know, not almost say better but they were just overcompensating things as far as her being Batwoman and you know just so over the top not almost say over the top but just like we had you know you're making like making so on the nose about things right and now they're like okay here's how we can weave this greater lore into into our story and tell our own unique story and and show you know they've made peace with how to 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 utilize bruce wayne and the best way and and it and and the the drop of him being the one the reason one of the probably the main reason why he left gotham was killing the joker and 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 using that as a way to help kate deal with her killing cartwright um Shows how you can you can use use Batman and Bruce Wayne as a way to to help further Kate's story and Kate's journey without um, without having to denigrate Batman. 
Right, right. And and just to go on top of that, in this episode, they or the writers also are doing a very good job, an exceptional job on setting up circumstances where the characters who who have been hiding secrets or who for dramatic irony purposes are suddenly first forced to reveal those um those those items and mary yeah. a few episodes ago realized kate was batwoman mm-hmm. and and they did and they strung that along i'm and and i didn't mind it because i thought that what they did was unique different and added character or dimension to mary mm-hmm. and in this episode the circumstances she she just says no i i have to call you out on this i can't pretend to be ignorant anymore yeah um, because because the circumstances dictate that i tell you wake up mm-hmm. and keep <laughs> moving and yeah. i also mary also just always shines in those moments because the dialogue they give her is not cliche. Yeah. Um, it, it always speaks really directly to the issues and allows um, viewers to hear to, to hear it in a new way that brings a lot of gravitas. So, so I, I think to your point that the writers are also doing a great job in that regard as well. Yeah. Yeah, they are. They are. I mean, they, they have, um, Definitely made, yeah. I mean, all the supporting characters on this show have really had their 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 their, their good moments. I think you know, Luke, in particular, has really grown uh, over the last few episodes. You know, especially since post crisis, uh, as we've learned more about his father's death, and then and things like you know little nods to his character in the in the in the comics i mean him being a, a boxer and and uh, you know the, 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 those little those little, little side elements they sh- like they showed this week with 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 his character so um yeah i mean i like i, I hate again i hate that there there's only one episode left in this season because i've really i've really enjoyed the growth of this show over as it's progressed over the first first season Yes. And as we've finished talking about a show that probably is the one who really benefited from crisis and the events of crisis, let's move on to The Flash, which (laughs) (laughs) you can say they benefited from crisis. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, no. This wasn't a bad episode. I I have to say it was not bad. Um, I'm still over at least probably 30 to 40% of these episodes these days and the various plot lines that they have going on because I I think that they have always struggled with how they utilize characters. That being said, a lot of Barry and Iris, a lot of um, realizations. Thank God Barry went down that conspiracy spiral. Oh, yeah, that was great. Realized... (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> actually, that's, I, I like this week's episode. I, I, the going down the the, the 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 conspiracy theory rabbit hole. I think I saw, I saw a couple like reactions on Twitter or some other reviews somewhere where they had the, uh, uh, the conspiracy, the always sunny 
meme, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think that like was captured in this in this episode, and uh, it, it, you know, I think, you know, as I mentioned last week, I, you know, the I think part of the problem that has hurt this show is, has been pacing, and it, it was really gets exacerbated when you have the you know delays either due to production gets behind or or because of COVID, you know, causing the the month long hiatus uh because this week i did finally feel that the story was is moving forward in a significant way right and and so uh you know it's almost would have been it's i don't know if it would have been better for her if this show had been the one to to bring them back like like we saw with batwoman this week uh to really move the story along forward because last week i felt like they were just kind of treading water this week we really got somewhere as far as um, you know, Barry making a you know realization and of mirror Iris and Iris in the mirror dimension with Eve McCulloch. Um, you know, figuring out oh, you know, all this time there's this button here that all I had to do was push and go into this other room to find the, the mirror yeah, generator. That bothered me so yeah. much. Yeah, yeah, that was a, yeah, that was a weak point for sure for me, but. But her reaction when she got into the room and just the just the mental anguish that I don't know I guess Eve's you know I guess controlling the mirror version of Iris uh, you know overwhelmed her while she was in that in that creation room and the other thing too that I'm wondering is where where are the real Singh and real Camilla like tucked away in this in this mirror universe. Well, that's what you're you're supposed to wonder at the end of the episode because I don't know why we didn't think about that last week where we're like, wait, wait a second, Iris has been in there for a while. Why hasn't she come across Sting or Camilla? Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> Have we been watching the show? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, and I guess that's what I was getting to about my point about pacing and it's just a lack, the feeling of the lack of cohesion sometimes with, with the, with this plot that they've, they've built this in, in 6B. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, having all these starts and stops, I, I, it's, it's hard to keep track. Not it's hard. Yeah. I just, I just forget. I don't, I, I'm not, it's hard to stay invested uh, because of, of, of it. So, um, so, you know, there's that, but I can't just brought it this week. I mean, she's, I think this has probably been, probably some of the strongest performances she's given in in this series over a six year run. Uh, I mean, in particular, the, 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 the way mirror Iris. She's a reflection. Yeah. No, (laughs) we call her fake Iris. Fake Iris. Yeah. (laughs) Fake Iris. The way she, when they had, when Barry had that moment with her to help her, gain control away from Eva um, and the way she played that scene of like this character just becoming self-aware and self-actualized to to, to to free herself from that I thought was some of the probably one of the better scenes I've seen in a long time on the show um, uh, I, I agree I think that Candace finally had something to work with and I think that's why and I've actually seen that since 
they they put her on this path of running this investigation and finding herself now on the other side <laughs> um <laughs> looking <laughs> on the outside looking in but she, she she finally gets an opportunity to play two characters two yeah. versions of herself and i thought it was really clever to make that clarification for for us viewers that these are reflections which just makes in my mind this whole idea of like okay now i get how to an extent if this is a reflection of iris meaning it's a version of her where she 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 is able to pull the wool over everyone's eyes for a little bit because she's a reflection she she is um and an image of her and has all of this knowing but at the same time she's not alive so she doesn't fully understand love or that human connection so so i think everything they did in that extent made sense i still don't really understand that room and mm -hmm. why there's so much suffering pain and and how that relates to mirrors i don't i don't get it I also don't understand how exactly Eva's feelings and her pain and her trauma can be used to overwhelm the reflections and, and make them deteriorate. Um, but very cool images. Um, I, 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 this is a very science fiction story and i think yeah. to your point will flash does well when it does steer into the scientific realm mm -hmm. and not so much the cliche superhero saving the day like not the not the arrow way right um it, because arrow never got science science fiction on us they they went mystical they they did a lot of um um street level fighting and all that stuff but but the flash it, it every time it tries to go that direction i don't think it works but it really does work when it goes into the science fiction genre totally totally and yeah and and that and that really worked well like with eva and and, and bringing back blood work um yes i liked how they brought him back yeah but not really because there are easier ways for him to get out. <laughs> <laughs> there, yeah, it was a bit. It was a bit involved in a method of like using the mirrors. But you know, but it, oh, but oh, wait. Okay, yeah. one thing about blood work. Yeah. I could not get over how much and how I did not realize it, but he is just venom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The the effects team. Yeah, the makeup team. Uh, yeah, they need to. Uh, yeah, they they could have like thought of thought of another way to separate the two girls. I do think of Venom too when I see the see it, but uh, <laughs> but it, but the thing about how they brought him back and and also how they utilized, I was wondering like how they were going to utilize David Singh's mirror image, fake David. Uh, it, it all it, it, again. It, it's all starting to come together. And to your point, it, using it in that science fictiony way that the Flash excels at really gives you know it stays true to itself in this, in in, in, this, in this in 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 their storytelling. And so, 
uh, yeah, I, you know, so whenever it got to that point of the, of the show this week, I was I was really drawn in because uh, and and realized how all the things we saw in six A with blood work, you know, building up to this point was like, okay, now I, I get why they picked this particular character and how he fits into six B with Eva needing his you know his his plasma abilities to to be able to you know to get out of the the mirror universe so Mm -hmm. so again to your point utilizing those science fiction elements definitely worked served you know served the the story well this week and and really connected 6a and 6b in a very very good fashion yeah yeah And, and like i said i i did not hate this episode However, when you're competing against Batwoman, it's hard for me to give you all the awards. <laughs> it really is. Yeah, no, Bat- Batwoman definitely was the superior episode this week. But I, I, I will say to Flash, I mean, it, it was, I this was one episode that uh, when I look back at season six, I, it will it will definitely stand out as one of the ones I enjoyed more very much. And uh, and even 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 Cecile's role this week. You, it, it, it served a good purpose, and it didn't like go off. They used Nash, Nash, in a good sense. They we didn't have any you know unnecessary scenes with Allegra, you know. And the only place where it was kind of like um, you know mm-hmm. they could have like probably let put on the cutting room floor was the whole Caitlin. You know, obviously they had they're trying to work around a pregnancy. I, I get that, but. That that was just some valuable screen time. That story that you know could have probably waited another episode or so. I, I, I mean, it, it maybe it's just kind of pointless to me. Yeah, exactly. Pointless, out of left field. WTF? Why? Why and why? I I and and you can only give them that excuse. They're trying to work around a pregnancy. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know what, Cisco. Carlos Ramon has never has never been pregnant, but he tends to be able to get written off the show at at a whim. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So there are there are ways. There are also an actress being pregnant on a TV show when her character is not pregnant. Not something new. <laughs> okay, right, right, happens yeah. all the time. It's called yeah. make her carry a giant bag filled with her killer crop. Yeah. Cross gear. <laughs> exactly. Shoot from yeah. Shoot different angles. You've done it already this season. So I mean, they could have easily. They could have easily if they needed for to, to work it in. She could have gone and visit her, you know, her mom or gone to some conference. You know, any any number of like plausible things instead of this weird like she's in hibernation story that doesn't doesn't make sense. And uh, hopefully we'll get it'll be carried. We'll get some resolution. Or some purpose for it in the, in the remaining, I guess, two episodes. But um, yeah, don't hold your breath on it. Yeah, <laughs> they never do Caitlin justice. Yeah, they did her justice in season three. I will. I will. To your yeah. point about how certain episodes of The Flash do tend to rise to the top when you look at the seasons as a whole. There, the episode I think it's three seven, where she finally embraces killer frost or killer frost comes over uh directed by kevin smith one of my favorite episodes of flash of all time and i 
still think about that episode. And anytime we have to rag on her storylines, which is a lot, I always have that that episode playing in my mind because Mm -hmm. they could have done so much more. And that's why we have to call it out because it's such a disservice for what that episode set up. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. But... You know, we'll you know, we'll hopefully season seven they will finally figure out how to to, to treat this character because they just it, it's it's so schizophrenic at times and it's hard. I mean, as hard as a viewer, I can't imagine how Danielle feels about it sometimes as as, as portraying portraying the character. If yeah. you ever if you ever got her to, you know an off the record moment where you could you know learn about it, but uh, you know, well, but it was just a, get her on inside of you. Yeah, there we go. There we go. Michael Rosenbaum, if you're listening, you know, invite Daniel Paderbaker to your show. Uh, but yeah, I enjoyed the episode and you know, and the close this week was quintessential emotional flash. I mean, that you know, I did get a little lump in my throat with Barry and, and Iris that, that that last moment of them reaching out into the universe to to find each other and say they're going to, you know, fight for themselves and stuff. I mean, that Again, they do science fiction well, and and they do that the lightning rod very well too, in my opinion. So, and I, I thought it really worked this week. Um, it would have had they not run their. This is the end of the episode, and I'm just looking at the time code, thinking, why the heck do we have five minutes left if this is the end of the episode? And then and then you go back, and they and it just goes on. And on, I love yeah. you, finish their sentences, blah, blah, blah. I, I get it. But in my mind, I just, I was, I was wanting so much more. <laughs> you loved a five minute teaser. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Why wasn't that part of the episode? And maybe at the very end, give me an Eobard Thawne reference. I don't know. <laughs> it was very bizarre to me, but. Yeah. Um, speaking about love and doing chemistry, right? Yeah. Our last show is brand new. Well, the third episode has aired of the first season, uh, run on HBO, Merritt Weaver and Dom, Dom, Donald, Donald, Donald Gleason. There you go. Yeah, I'm, I wasn't going to touch that. I, know I, always, I always mess up his first name. <laughs> there, there is a podcast that I I recorded all the way back in 2015 where I was able to say his name. I don't know what has happened. Billy. I'll just call him Billy. Let's call him Billy. Yep. <laughs> um, I I love this show so much. It's good. Yeah. So so this show. And I'm sorry, Will, you'll get probably like one minute to talk about. That's fine. Go, but go I, I realized in this particular most recent episode why this show works for me. And it's because of a trilogy called The Before Trilogy by Richard Lankleader. Are you familiar with those films? I'm not. Ethan Hawke. Okay. So, so there are three movies. Um before before sunset before sunrise before midnight i forget the actress name but ethan hawk is one of the main characters filmed like decades apart from one another and um there it's so fascinating to watch these movies because the first one two strangers meet on a train mm-hmm. 
spend a night in Paris together. That's it. Second movie, these two strangers find each other again, very different points in their lives. Do they, and they've always held on to that one night they had together. Mm-hmm. Third movie, even further into this relationship and what has happened. So it's just this weird progression. And there are literal images in this most recent episode where the second movie, it's mm-hmm. like shot for shot for me. And I'm like, uh. How do they get away with this? And it's very different, though. I'm not saying the dialogue is the same, but the same idea of um, the shot in particular I'm talking about is when they're on the boat. And he talks about how she was right for breaking up with him. Mm -hmm. And then she spells spills her reality and what she's truly running away from. And this idea that in college... She had it all, and then after college has been nothing but downhill and kind of finding herself in this relationship that she's always wanted out of, but it's also worked in her favor. Anyways, um, that is very similar to a to one of my favorite scenes in Before, Before Sunset. Ah, cool, cool. <clears throat> so, essentially... The show, but this show is so much more comedic, and it's also, um, it has a lot of Irish accents in it, which I adore. I adore good Irish accents, and there's something about the way this is written where I find that I can rewatch episodes, Mm -hmm. and when I realize something about the characters, if then I rewatch the episode and it makes the dialogue make so much more sense or why they, they interacted in a way. Um, Merritt Weaver's character in particular has a lot of dimensions and it's really hard to understand why she does things or says something. And then when you realize that, Oh, she's the best liar or she she can lie and look like she's telling the truth. Um, you realize what's really going on. Yeah, yeah. I hope you cut all that out because it made zero sense. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna leave it in because it made total sense. Because that's, I mean, that's that's what you just said perfectly captures Ruby. Mm-hmm. She, yeah, it's like you know when we first are introduced to this character, uh, we she's listening to, she's in the, in a parking lot. And, and I and listened to this song, and and it was uh, oh gosh, um, gosh, I can't, I, I'm blanking on the name of the song now. But it was like when I, I, I was like, am I watching the correct show? <laughs> <laughs> when I first started, but then I really, but then, and, and then of course the the whole premise is they, the the characters basically when they were in college said if you ever get a text with Run, you respond to it, and they would you know meet they were they would meet in their predestined place, uh, pre-designed, designated place to, to, to meet up. And so, yeah, she gets the text and, and then they, they both end up on the train and it, yeah, it was, you know, I know we talked about this show before and I'm glad I finally, you know, I did watch it and got on because it, it, it really, it's a, you know, you have two characters who, who are trying to 
lived this coming to realization that in her case she has a lot of unfulfilled dreams and she lived this fake life and you know she's married and kids and you know it's always it's almost like the grass the grass is greener kind of deal mm-hmm. and and Billy you know he's a motivational speaker and and we get his backstory and and how he ended up you know he's on the run from his you know from I assume is his manager and and she's trying to track him down and, and it, you know the, it, the title just really does the name of the show really captures these characters they're just running from their lives and yep. and, and, and seeing you know and and, and we and, and each episode we are learn more about them and 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 how they end up responding to each other's text instead of it's like realizing that you know they haven't moved on from college well i i think they did move on but there's also to your point each episode we learn not just more about why they they did this and why the first episode plays out it the way it does but also there's so much history between them yeah yeah and Uh, i guess because, because the most recent episode we see she texted run 12 years ago yes yeah yeah on a very important day and and well, they didn't run away together because he didn't respond. But I I think, and the fact that his, her mom even knew why she had her phone out, there yeah. there was a subtle hint there of has yeah. he texted yet? Yeah. And and yeah. so so there there that's what I like is that because it's such a condensed half hour. Mm-hmm. And and it really is a small show. You you really are mainly with these two characters, and maybe one or two other people the whole time. It goes by really quickly, and you're not constantly. Um, it's not a lot of exposition. It's just enough to to make the revelations in in present day yeah. more, make more sense. Right, and. And the thing that also, yeah, and it's it, it makes more sense. And I guess the thing that is also very captivating about this this show is, you know, put yourself. It, it's one of those things where, you, as you're watching it, you, you put yourself. You can put yourself in that circumstance. Like, you know, there's you know, there's old relationships or old things that people, you know, some people move on. Even if you do move on, you, you may sometimes find yourself thinking, well, what if, you know, the, the what if factor and. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and in this show, the what if, when they get that text, I mean, like you said, 12 years prior on a very significant day, she didn't respond to it. This time she did. And now that they're back together on in, in, these, in this situation where they're on the run, they, they start to see how, the, how things possibly could have played out for them. And and they they you know wax nostalgic about their relationship, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and and so you know so you, you know it, it is it does you know when you watch it it does like you know you do have that moment like huh I wonder you know if I were in that situation what would I do? Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Well, on that note, um, that is it for us tonight. Will, why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you? 
Yes, you can find me on Twitter at Will M. Polk, W-I-L-L-M-P-O-L-K. And you can find me at SJ Belmont, S-J-B-E-L-M-O-N-T. Please follow our crew on Twitter at Cena Nerd. Friend us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram. But most importantly, rate, subscribe, and comment on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Good night, geek out. You're welcome. Bye.